On Friday night, uh, we talked about change and permanence and being at peace with change and realizing through our meditation practice that, um, that we're not, um, that, that change is constant. Uh, our sensations are changing, our, our thoughts are changing, our moods are changing, um, our ideas are changing. And coming to uh, realize that we're more a process than we are a, uh, some kind of uh, thing or um, you know, entity that can be defined. And that, that really kind of moves into what we talked about yesterday, um, that we're not a story, we're not a role, we're not an identity. We're so much more than that. Um, we are really boundless in, in our essential being. And when we, um, when we deepen, as we deepen in meditation practice, and we see that all experience is arising and passing away, and there's no self, there's no you know, me in control of what's coming into my awareness um, and what's o- inf- unfolding in my life, then we begin to... Uh, with time, with practice, we begin to uh, let go of that, you know, that grasping, that resisting, that, that uh, trying to control um, our lives. Of course, we're always responding. But as we um, end, rather than but, as we are more and more present within ourselves, we are responding from an authenticity, from a, uh, fr- from a real sense of, um, of knowing, knowing our experience and knowing what is an authentic response. So, so these are kind of some of the fields we've been playing in, in our thinking and our reflecting. Um, and, uh, and today what I'd like to talk about is that, and, and, and all of this is in the interest of, of really um, understanding our practice as being something which is woven through our whole life, that our life is our practice, and our practice is our whole life. So, um, so today I'd like to really focus in on relationships. And uh, it's such an important part of our lives. Um, our, our close relationships, our, um, our families, our work relationships, our neighbors, our community, our sense of being um, a citizen, a presence in the world. Um, and, um, and, and I think most especially, um, a sense of intimacy, which we, uh, we all really long for. We long to have this sense of, of closeness and connection with life and with other beings, other people. Um, 
and um, and sometimes, of course, we feel we feel alone, and that's that's a that's a state of. Uh, I mean, I it's it's lovely solitude. I'm not talking about solitude. Solitude can be when we're comfortable being with ourselves. Uh, solitude can be lovely, but when we feel isolated and alone, that can be um, quite a difficult uh, and and uh, stressful and unhappy feeling. Um, and uh, the truth is that you know we're we're not alone. We're so interrelated. We have so many relationships. We're so interconnected and intertwined. Um, but we don't always experience that or feel that. Um, so our practice helps us to, to first of all, feel connected to ourselves. I think that's, that's our doorway to, um, to really feel connected to life. You know, as we sit and we meditate, um, we're, we're becoming open and present to our heart, to, to the body, to the, to, our en- to the energy of the body and what is, what is the body saying to us. Um, the body can be really become a wonderful ally in our meditation practice, really our best friend, I think. Um, because when we become attuned to the body, um, we are, uh, we're really developing that capacity to listen, to open and to be present. Um, we become, we find a home in the body. Um, the, the Buddha talked a lot about mindfulness of the body and he, and he talked about how, you know, by cultivating mindfulness in the body, you know, we're, we're cultivating peace and, um, and joy and, uh, and presence uh, in the world and, and, and to ourselves. So that, that sense of intimacy with ourselves, first of all, uh, enables us to, to be authentically ourselves in, in our lives and in our relationships. So to be intimate with ourselves, you know, one of the ways that I've thought of practice is, is a, a practice of true honesty. Um, you know, to be deeply honest with ourselves. You know, not to, not to lie to ourselves or avoid or be in denial. Um, and, uh, and so when I sit and I connect with the breath and the body and the mind becomes still. You know, we've used that metaphor throughout uh, our time together um, that Ajahn Chah offered of the still forest pond and, and how all of the creatures, when, we're, when we sit very still and we, we don't make a disturbance, all of the creatures come out of the woods and, and out of the shadows and, and present themselves. 
And uh, that's a metaphor for really opening our heart and mind to everything that we are. Um, and so this, um, this capacity to be present with ourselves, to be intimate with ourselves, um, is, is so key uh, to enabling us to be open to and intimate with another and others in our lives. So, um, so it's, it's, I think it's important that in our practice we ask ourselves, when I, when I sit and I practice, you know, am I holding, you know, what's coming up? And am I holding anything which is, um, Painful? Am I turning away in my practice from anything which, you know, is painful, from guilt, from, you know, anything which is in shadow? You know, there is a, um, just like anything, um, practice can be uh, misused. And there's a, there's a, um, an expression um, in in spiritual practice that's come out uh, recently or in recent years uh, called spiritual bypassing. Um, when when meditation practice first came to the West, there was a lot of spiritual bypassing going on. And what is spiritual bypassing? Um, it's using our practice to actually instead of to turn toward what is difficult and challenging and painful, rather to, but instead misusing it to, to turn away from it. And so, and, and I actually practiced a lot of spiritual bypassing in my, in my early practice. I, I did some Zen practice um, early on when I began practice. Uh, and so I was actually in a really... Um, quite a uh, uh, bad situation. It was a very, it wasn't really a good nourishing uh, context for me, but, but I would sit down and I would meditate and I would get my mind concentrated and I'd be on the breath and my mind was becoming so you know, clear and focused and I was getting all this energy and, and I was using that, that focus to actually turn away from, you know, what was coming up in my heart. And, um, and it was only later, you know, practicing with, you know, diff- doing different practices with different teachers that I recognized that, that that kind of practice was not bringing me into more intimacy with myself. It was actually... Um, becoming a tool for me to avoid what was difficult and painful. And, um, and there's actually a lot of that that is, is taught. There's so many things that are taught as meditation and, um, and that just concentrating the mind without paying attention to our lives and our relationships and our, our ethics 
um, is, uh, you know, it's unbalanced. Um, so, um, so all of this that we've talked about, about, um, you know, recognizing the shadow and, and, uh, and opening the heart to forgiveness to ourself and to others um, that we're holding resentment about and uh, resentment toward, um, about acceptance of, of our lives and how our lives have unfolded. Um, and, uh, and all of this opens us up to uh, more self-acceptance, self-compassion, uh, empathy for others, and um, compassion. So, um, so one of the, th- the things that uh, we discussed yesterday in talking about um, this whole idea that we're not a self which is an idea of who we are or a story about who we are, you know, is, is recognizing the depth and the impermanence and, and the sense of uh, a being a process um, that is at the heart of our being. And, um, and in the same way, in relationships, we, um, as we open up to this realization within ourselves, we, o- we can open up to this realization about uh, each person who's in our lives. So when we are relating, and, and this is so common in how we relate to people, you know, an idea of who somebody is, right? So we have an idea that somebody is, um, you know, a funny person, a nice person, um, you know, a helpful person, um, or maybe there's a story about who this person is for us. So we're seeing this person in terms of, you know, uh, our own agenda. Um, you know, who are you for me? Then, um, then there's there's actually, um, you know, where where there there's there's a not a relationship that's happening with a present moment attention to, you know, well, who are you, like in this moment, you know, who you know, who is uh, uh, Kathy, who is uh, Carol, you know, who who is Ian. In this moment, um, we're relating to the person as, in terms of who they, our ideas about who they are and how we've experienced them in the past. And if we're process, if we're always emerging and unfolding, well, so is the other. Um, and um, and so so there's. So as we deepen in our realization of ourselves being an unfolding process, a mystery, um, uh, then we also 
are able to open to a reality uh, of others being that. And as we, um, and as we're able to, to really uh, live from uh, an inner presence, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think of um, how uh, so many of us live and, 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 and how I have experienced, um, you know, myself, you know, in a way that there's this, this sense of the mind is divided and there's, there's, there's this idea of how people see me or how I want to be seen. And so I'm turning around and looking at myself in a way I'm dividing my mind and looking at myself and, and saying, what do people expect of me? What do people want of me? What do people, um, you know, and of course then, there, then there's this, you know, I, and I want, to, I want to live up to that expectation. I want to get the approval, <coughs> excuse me, the approval people, you know, that what I'm projecting that people want of me. Do you understand? You're following what I'm saying? Like, like somehow, somehow that we're dividing our minds, and and you know this relates back to, you know, what I talked about with, you know, our upbringing, you know, parental um, approval, wanting wanting to be something for our parents, wanting to be something for our teachers. So. It's not that this is all bad, that, you know, sometimes uh, having, you know, when, when there is a wholesome sense of, yeah, I, I, I you know, people expect me to be, um, to be ethical, people expect me to be um, kind, not to be cruel, not to be greedy or selfish. You know, there can be a wholesome quality to this, of course. Um, and we also need to find our way home to, to live from presence, to live from an authentic presence within ourselves. And this is, for me, the heart of meditation, that, that you know, when I recognize ideas about who I am and and who I should be, you know, I can't I can't find a sense of grounding in that in the moment. Um, I can only be present in this moment when I'm uh, grounded in that inner being, which is alive right now. Um, which is the heart of meditation. And it's from that place that authentic caring, authentic attention, authentic listening can come. You know, when I'm, when I'm listening to somebody who is sharing something of their life with me, and I'm somehow trying to figure out what do they want from me? What do they need from me? Um, what should I give them? When I'm in my head and I'm not listening with my whole body, with my heart, 
then I'm not fully listening. I'm not really there. Um, So when we listen to somebody, it's important that we listen you know, with a whole heart, without judgment, without um, planning what we want to say back to that person, that we're receiving that person. And that beautiful poem by, um, by Clover Cack. Catskills, you know, said when we listen, when we really receive somebody, we're we're in a way providing a home for them uh, within our our space of of listening and and receiving. Uh, and the, and she said there are so many homeless, there are too many homeless people in our in our culture. Not not just not just people who literally are homeless, but people who feel unconnected, um, who, who don't feel received. Um, I read somewhere um, a Zen teacher uh, said, you know, said he was reflecting on what is the most essential thing about being a teacher. And, um, and he said uh, that he decided or he felt, he, he kind of, his, his answer to himself was, the most essential thing about being a teacher is being a, a presence, or I think he used the word a vortex, of, of space and love. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, okay, I, I think I can do that. <laughs> so, um, uh, and, and I think we all can do that. I think we all can do that. Um, so, um, so when we listen, when we truly listen, uh, we're not even agreeing with what they're saying. Because if we're agreeing, that's a kind of a judgment. We're just receiving. And when we're just present with, actually communication can become communion. And so that, that, that quality of presence with is something that uh, can be really sacred, uh, really holy, whole. So, so if, if there is somebody in your life that you feel needs to change, is there somebody in your life that you feel needs to change? So, um, uh, so I think that we all experience that because we, we look at somebody and they're saying, and we're saying, mm, it's not working for them. And, you know, why do they keep on doing the same things? And, and why don't they see that what they're doing is not working for them? 
And the greatest catalyst for change, and I, I, I deeply have experienced this, uh, is a complete acceptance of who that person is without needing to change him or her in any way at all. Just that base, a total, complete acceptance of who they are. So, so I'm talking about uh, unconditional love in this. And I want to talk about other kinds of love because I think that our relationships are a kind of a, a weave. And, and it's not that these other kinds of love are, um, are bad, but I think it's important to know what is what. And, um, and to know the limitations of different kinds of love. So people use the word love in all kinds of ways, right? Like, I love chocolate. <laughs> okay, or, um, uh, you know, I just love the way, you know, she does something or he does something. Um, and, um, and so, uh, you know, we can, we can love, um, we can love even objects. You know, we can love, um, we can love uh, non-sentient life. You know, trees and flowers. So, there's an element of love which is sensual, um, and it makes us feel good in our senses. And so we often, I mean, and that's often the beginning of, of a relationship, right? Like we just love the way a person looks or acts. And, and we may love the way we feel with them. We may, we may feel comfortable with them. We may feel relaxed. They may make us laugh. Uh, we may enjoy, you know, having fun with somebody. And so there's a, a quality of sensual pleasure that is present in love. Um, and, and that might not always be there. That can come to an end. So somebody who was always, you know, so funny and up might go into a kind of a down, might get depressed, might... Um, might go through something in their life where they're just not that person that uh, made us feel so good and that we always had fun with. And so if that's where the love is based, then, then that love, there's nothing for it to, there's nothing to hold on to. You know, that. Um, it just kind of falls apart. So do we know of relationships or have we experienced relationships that have uh, kind of gone that route? Another kind of love is an emotional love. You know, so, so it's, um, you know, we, uh, there's a lot of bonding 
you know, that, that quality of emotional love, like that person is really supportive to us. Um, they are, uh, um, you know, we've, we've shared experiences together. We've gone through tough times. So, um, so there's a deep attachment and, uh, and that, you know, that's, that's, that's in a way a deeper kind of love than, um, uh, than, than just sensual love, you know, because, because it's, um, uh, it's more than just uh, pleasant sensual feelings. There are shared experiences uh, and so on. But, um, but even that emotional bonding, you know, can be tried and tested and can break. You know, I, I've, I've heard stories of uh, people who have gone through real, really difficult times, like couples, you know, who have gone through a very difficult time, like they've, a child has died, or, you know, they've, um, uh, they've gone through a, uh, you know, just the conditions of their lives have drastically tra- changed, and, and, um, and the emotional bond wasn't strong enough. So in some way, you know, sensual love and emotional love are based on pleasant feelings that, you know, there's enough that's pleasant, there's enough that we enjoy that makes us feel good in the relationship that, um, that, that kind of keeps us together, you know. And, and, but unconditional love, that quality of just um, really uh, knowing that that there's a union um, is not based on pleasant feelings. You know, knowing this this profound connection, it's not based on that you make in some way make me feel good. So I think that our relationships are um, are a weave of of sensual and emotional and and unconditional love, and I think that it's really important that we kind of be aware of of the balance, you know, in, in that. Um, you know, as I became un as I began, as I was practicing and deepening my practice and, and understanding the practice of loving kindness, of metta, you know, which is this quality of just caring for somebody without uh, preference, without attachment, um, this quality of unconditional love. You know, and I began to bring that awareness into my uh, Understanding of of my love for my children, and it helped illuminate for me, you know, to what extent was I, you know, wanting my kids to become something because it would make me feel good, you know, and to what extent was I really open 
to their unfolding and their choices, even if I felt that their choices, you know, from my perspective, according to my perceptions, might be um, uh, kind of not working, you know, not good, not, you know, not in the right direction, according to my, my ideas. So, so we can see every relationship um, as a support in, in this way for us becoming more conscious, more, you know, more present, more aware, more free, more free from our own patterns and, you know, drivenness and need for things to be a certain way. You know, that, that each, in, in its own way, each, each relationship that we have uh, can um, reflect back to us, um, you know, something that we're manifesting. So each, each person in our lives can be our teacher. And so, um, and so, when we ha- bring this attitude to our relationships, we are uh, we're bringing this quality of of not knowing. You know, we talked about about this attitude of of not knowing, of um, of of not having an idea. You know, just like I was talking a little bit earlier in this talk about not relating to an idea of somebody who somebody is, but rather being open to who are they, you know, what are they manifesting in this moment. Um, there's a story I love to tell about uh, Joanna Macy, who is this, uh, I mentioned her yesterday, who is this um, teacher who is, a, she's, a, she's an activist, she's a, she teaches ecology and, uh, and dharma, really. And, um, and she tells this story about uh, her her husband when she and her husband Fran, um, who died a few years ago, uh, but they had many long, wonderful years together. And um, uh, when they decided that they would get engaged to be married, and uh, and they went to a friend of theirs who was also a minister, and they told him that they would like to be married, to get married, and uh, they wanted him to perform the ceremony. And he said, I have a blessing for you right now. And he said, my blessing is for you is, may you always be strangers to each other. And I thought, you know, that for, it would sound strange at first, right? You know, you always be strangers. But it's, it's really pointing at that. May you not assume you know who that person is right now. But but bring that that also that element of inquiry, of interest, of curiosity. Who are you now? And and this is true of all of life and this is true of our relationships. Um, there's a 
there's a Zen koan. A koan does, is, in case somebody's not familiar with that word, a koan is a, um, a kind of a, a riddle or puzzle which uses words to bring us beyond words. So it, it, it confounds our common sense, our logic. And, and in working with a koan, you need to go kind of deeper than uh, the logical mind to, to get it. And so this, this koan is between a teacher and a student. And the teacher, Dizang, asks Fayan, um, where are you going? He's getting, Fayan's getting ready to go somewhere. He's you know, getting some stuff together. And, Fa- and Fayan says, um, I'm going around on pilgrimage. And Dizang said, said, what is the purpose of pilgrimage? And Fayan says, I don't know. And Dizang says, not knowing is most intimate. Not knowing is most intimate. And the Zen teacher Dogen said, enlightenment is intimacy with all things. Can I be intimate with a flower? Can I not know what is a flower? Can I really experience communion with a flower? Can I bring that quality of presence into my life, that, uh, that quality of communion? So that quality of presence, I think, is what we all need. And uh, it's what we can offer the world. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. It's not to be underestimated. It's rare. It's precious. Um, I'd like to close with a poem. It's one of my favorite poems. And I think uh, he talks about this quality of presence in a very kind of everyday way. And it's uh, called Hokusai Says. It's by um, Roger Keyes. So Hokusai um, was a, uh, a Japanese watercolor artist. I think that you've probably seen some of his watercolors, very famous ones. 
Uh, he lived in, I think it was the 19th century. And, uh, you know, that big tsunami wave? You've probably seen that. That's a hokusai. Uh, some, uh, some paintings, uh, watercolors of, uh, I think it's, um, I forget the name of the mountain. Thinking Mount Fuji. Fuji, right, Mount Fuji. Um, so, but he also has many, many wonderful watercolors, if you're familiar with his work, of people and um, people walking and in the market and doing all kinds of things. So, so Hokusai says, Hokusai says, look carefully. He says, keep looking. Stay curious. He says, there is no end to seeing. He says, look forward to getting old. He says, keep changing. You just get more who you really are. He says, get stuck. Accept it. Repeat yourself as long as it's interesting. He says, keep doing what you love. He says, keep praying. He says that every one of us is a child. Everyone is ancient. Every one of us has a body. He says that every one of us is frightened. He says that every one of us has to find a way to live with fear. He says, everything is alive. Shells, buildings, people, fish, mountains, trees. Wood is alive. Water is alive. Everything has its own life. Everything lives inside us. He says, Live with the world inside you. He says it doesn't matter if you draw or write books. It doesn't matter if you saw wood or catch fish. It doesn't matter if you sit at home and stare at the ants on your veranda or the shadows of the trees and grasses in your garden. It matters that you care. It matters that you feel. It matters that you notice. It matters that life lives through you. Contentment is life living through you. Joy is life living through you. Satisfaction and strength is life living through you. Peace is life living through you. Peace is life living through you. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Look, feel. Let life take you by the hand. Let life live through you.
So let's just take a minute to just sit and uh, and connect with the body and and feel whatever we may be feeling. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.